0: This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving
1: business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Well, welcome everybody to another in our MarkTech interview series. Uh, this is this is I I don't know this is a long time coming. Uh, I had the pleasure of running into Eric Qualman down at a Dell conference in Austin, Texas, and uh, just absolutely phenomenal uh, keynote that you did down there, Eric. So uh,
0: thank you for that. No, thank you. Thanks for the flattery. It'll get you everywhere. <laughs>
1: And and thanks for being on the show. As soon as uh, as soon as I saw your keynote, I was like, "Man, this would be a great conversation for the for the podcast." Um, I've been a huge fan. Uh, people might know Eric by name, or they might know him by Socialnomics. Uh, I think uh, I don't even know when was the first time
0: that you did a Socialnomics video wrap up, Eric. Two thousand and nine. So we're going on almost a decade here wow
1: and i and i owe you a debt of thanks for those too because when my when my blog was you know back in 2009 when i discovered those videos and shared them i got a ton of traffic
0: (laughs) well thanks for sharing them because it allowed us to get a ton of traffic for them no it's crazy to see that those videos are the most watched videos in the world on social media so we always joke uh at equal man studios the animation studio i own that they're kind of the bane of our existence in a good way we just like, now we have to update it again because the new year's coming up.
1: Well, And and every year you use a really cool, different theme to them as well. So you're putting a lot of work in there. And you wrote the book, of course,
0: Socialnomics? I did, yes. How did that come about? So my background has been in the tech space for 25 years. And I just saw social media being the next big thing, which at the time everyone is arguing is for teenagers. So it's actually like a lot of your listeners, you got a pioneers get pushback. And so I was trying to pioneer and say, look, I know all you guys want to talk about search here at this huge search conference. And you want to hear me talk about search since at TravelZoo, we buy $23 million worth of search product from Google and at the time Yahoo and Bing and all the fun players. But I want to talk to you about social media. So everyone thought I kind of had a horn on my head talking about social media. So it wasn't an easy process. That's why I always say that pioneers get pushback. And every time, everyone thought that social media is just for teenagers. So the book basically came about, and I always suggest this. Someone said it to me a long time ago that if you're going to write a book, it should either change you or change the world. And for me, I was out there talking about social media, but it wasn't necessarily sinking in. And so finally someone, a good friend of mine, Tim Ash, came up. Who was a published author, and said, I think you have a book in here. I know that some people think you're wild at these business meetings talking about social media and the impact it'll have on politics in the world, but you should actually talk to my publisher and see if you there's a book deal in there. And so that's when I'm on the train going to meet the publisher. I'd had a 1,000 rejection letters for a fiction book, so I knew how hard it was to get published. So on the train ride, at the time I was living in Cambridge, the Boston area. So I was going from Boston to New York, for this meeting and I was going, what would be a good title for a book? And so I go, Socialnomics would be a great title. So I Googled the name Socialnomics and fortunately it came up with zero results and and then I go, great, no one's using this. So I went and trademarked it and then had the meeting with the publisher and then away we went, we wrote the book and we were fortunate and very grateful that it went to number one for marketing books in eight countries, eight different languages. and then timing with the video that you mentioned earlier, the Social Media Revolution video that happened to go massively viral, uh, that then all that stuff kind of came together and and took off. Um, and again, there's no such thing as an overnight success. I always say that I had thousands of rejection letters for other books which were fiction, um, not knowing that eventually I'd actually write a business book. Um, but as Steve Jobs would indicate in some of the talks that he's given, you can't really connect the dots until you look back a little bit. So uh, very fortunate and blessed that now for going on a decade, that's what I've been doing is writing books and then speaking now in 49 countries around the world, uh, essentially on digital leadership.
1: Well, and and one of the things that you mentioned uh, in your keynote that I thought was apt and it absolutely ties in directly to what you're saying here is that um, go in the direction of the flow, right? Don't try to fight it. And, uh, and I thought it was amazing, even down to if anybody's seen a recent, you know, uh, photo of Eric online, you always have glass frames on. So you have these glasses on and uh, and tell the story about that, because I think it's I think it's absolutely amazing.
0: Though it's uh, one of those things that I'm always a fan of things happen for you, not to you. And I do wear green wild glasses, they're quite large, and I know they look quite ridiculous, but I'll tell you why I continue to wear them and why they came about in the first place. Is my first name's Eric, my last name's Qualman. So when you put those together, first initial, last name, which is what most people do when they put together email addresses at companies. So for a long time, I was Equal Man, just Equal Man <laughs> because of my email address. Uh, didn't like it so much, especially when you're low person on the totem pole at a company and you walk into a meeting. They're like, "Don't worry, you know that big problem we're wrestling with. Don't worry about it. Equal Man's here." Um, <laughs> But along those lines, of everything happens for you, not to you, that well, didn't like it at the time, but didn't realize that my parents had given me a very good gift uh, once social media explodes, and then you own all Equal Man properties out there. Um, and so I was doing a magazine interview, and they said, hey, we're doing a photo shoot for this. Since you have the moniker Equal Man, we'd like to have you wear some Clark Kent glasses, And so they gave me some, and they go, St. Patrick's Day is coming up, so we'd like them to be green. So we go ahead and do that, shoot that. Then I don't think anything of of it. A couple weeks later, I fly to Kenya to give a a talk. Um, And the night before, I was going to adopt a baby cheetah. uh, Not to take home, my wife would kill me, but (laughs) to really just support that animal shelter out there. And on the way there, they said, you know, that This week, from the same litter that you're adopting from Usain Bolt, the Olympic sprinter, adopted a cheetah from the same litter, and we did some photos and video, and we'd like to do the same while you do it, Uh, but we'd really like you, obviously, to have your green glasses on when we do that, so if you don't mind making sure you have those, and I'm in the car going, well, I don't wear those every day. I look like an (laughs) idiot walking around the world with these bright green glasses on that don't have frames in them. and. They said, no, everyone here in Kenya tomorrow at the conference is expecting you to have those on. So long story longer, kind of fell into it backwards, things happening for you. And by wearing those glasses and then just diving deep on the whole Equal Man moniker, it's been really good for the business. It's not easy because it's taught me to, to walk in discomfort, which I think a lot of you should do. I think if you train yourself to be in discomfort, then it makes tough decisions a little easier. Uh, I didn't do it for that reason. It was just one of the many byproducts that's happened. Other byproducts is during selfies after I speak, it actually more people want to take their picture with you because you've got something that's on your face. They actually look pretty good on photos, unlike they they look weird somewhat in the wild, but in a photo (laughs) or in a video shoot, they actually look pretty cool because they pop. So those are all kind of just little things we had no idea going into it. And then now the whole company has even changed our path to where we're whole thing is really about everyone has their superpower in them. Um, so that's our videos on YouTube. Everything we produce is really about trying to entertain, educate, empower people to their best life. Mainly that everyone in our mind has a superpower within them. It's really just about unlocking and unleashing it on the world.
1: Well, and you you touched on two things that I think were really important there. One was, you know, you took something that was so minor and so little, um, and turned it into something larger. And then the second is you you kind of steered in the direction, you know, of of it. You were open, your mind was open enough, you know, to kind of accept that and move in that direction. And I, I I feel like there's a you know an analogy, a perfect analogy there as we talk about social media and online marketing and everything else and agile marketing, especially is that, you know, we, if we conformed ourselves to our one year project plan on marketing, we would have very, very limited results. And we have to be listening for those cues, you know, throughout the course of a year to really change direction. When we see opportunity, when, uh, you know, we'll do infographics or whatever for clients, and, and, uh, you know, one out of four infographics will just absolutely take off. But when it does, we steer in the path of that. We don't just, you know, move on to the next infographic. We, you know, we over promote it and we, we advertise with it and we stick it in PowerPoint presentations and we, you know, we do all of those things. And so listening for those cues and steering in that direction, even when it's just eyeglass frames, that was a, it was a brilliant move.
0: No, thank you. And it's, it's a learned process for all the listeners as well, as you mentioned is, whether it's agile marketing, momentum marketing, is when those opportunities arise, do you go deep, deep on them? Do you go deeper on them? Are you quick enough to actually take advantage of those? And again, it's not an easy road. Even to this day, I'm still, there's more to come on the glasses because I don't wear them 100% of the time and I should. So if there's a certain meeting that I'm going to and I don't feel comfortable with, it's like old colleagues and they're like, why were you wearing those green glasses? So in time, I should wear them all the time and that's part of getting even deeper into that discomfort. Um so just for everyone out there to know that's not an easy path.
1: The the other the other one that I thought that was fascinating that you mentioned in your keynote and again I think it has a perfect uh synergy to marketing was you talked about goal setting quite a bit uh and you had done some studies and 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 seen some research. Can you talk a little bit to our audience about, you know, where they're going wrong? Why are they you know, in this in this day where we have four thousand mediums and hundreds of different things to do, and our budgets are cut and everything else, why why are we failing every single day at at this you know complex world?
0: It's interesting because we're doing hiring right now at our company. And so one of the questions that we like to ask is, you know, if someone, that's really close to you. That's a big fan of yours. Would say you do not aren't going to excel in this position. What would the result be? And ninety percent of them are going to say, you know, I take too much on. So we upfront say you can't say I take too much on. It has to be a different answer than that. And the reason that relates here is I think that we actually do that. We all we all take on too much, and so. What I'm researching right now is how do we focus in an unfocused world? So it's an anti-venom almost to nomics because I'm excited that everyone's got on social media. And I love social media, I love digital, I love mobile. I'm a tech guy, so I love it. But some of us have gone too far into it. We're too far into our phones and we forget that, that combination of the offline, online, and we forget the power of focus. That everyone that I've been fortunate in you, I'm sure to interview, one thing that they do well or better than others. But they constantly struggle with it is focus, and so I constantly struggle with it. But I'd say I'm slightly better than most. Uh, But it's something still the number one weakness that I have is how do I focus on the most important thing? So what I've been doing is researching it mainly. So it's a resource that not not only I have because I'm going to use it on a day to day basis, but that everyone else can use as well, especially uh, your listeners, uh, because it's something that they're probably wrestling with, especially with the holidays, everything that's happening right now. So. As we look at it, one of the main findings has been that when we talk to some of these top performers and interview some of these top performers one thing that has a commonality is basically 94% of the world makes to-do lists and they're great. We love to check that box. It makes us feel good. But some of the, the most of the top performance where they index higher than most is only 4% make a not to-do list. And so they index very high on making these not to-do lists. And they call them at Facebook a non-goal list. What we like to call them is a not-yet list. And that not-yet list needs to be at least 20 times longer than your to-do list. And so that list needs to be super long. And eventually, we call them not-yet lists because eventually you might get to some of those and they'll move to the to-do list. But most of us make the mistake of just adding to-do, 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 to-do to 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 the to-do list when in theory, after interviewing a lot of these folks and researching it, is your not-to-do list, your not-yet list, is actually with the basis and formulation for your to-do list. And what that boils down to, and this is a great book that everyone should read, Jay Papasan, great guy, Gary Keller, co-authors wrote this, is the one thing. And so what you need to ask yourself at the beginning of each day, and also pause throughout the day, give your space to actually stop, reflect on what you are doing at that moment, and ask yourself, what's the one thing that if I do it well, makes everything else either easier or unnecessary? So what's the one thing if I do it well, makes everything else either easier or unnecessary? And again, you got to pause throughout the day and go, should I be doing this? Is this the one thing?
1: It's uh, fantastic advice. Uh, I, uh, You know, it, it's interesting as, and you probably get this as well. As someone who has a, uh, and of course, uh, and I don't want to compare myself to the Eric Qualman, <laughs> but, but <laughs> even, even in my limited scope of being a, you know, a C-rated, you know, social media guy online, I get a deluge of emails and social requests on a daily basis, maybe 150, you know, 200 requests. And, um, and over time, what I've done is really just built up a great filtering system to leave those for the end of the day or the end of the week, you know, to follow up on. And what it's done is just, it's skyrocketed my, my productivity, and, and then I'm very open with people. I have people that say, you know, I emailed you three days ago and I haven't heard back. And I'm pretty open with them that yes, I have priorities that have to be, you know, taken care of before I can, you know, respond to you. And I know that sometimes that that might hurt from a business standpoint, if it was a sales prospect or something like that. But the fact is, is it's what's making me successful with, <laughs> with my actual clients and the actual work that I'm doing. And so it's, I think you're, you're nailing this, you know, I, uh, I have other people that say, I don't understand, you know, how can you post, you know, uh, one or two blog posts a day, maintain social media, do all those things. Well, I have a system down, you know, and, and I know that the reason why I even have an agency is because I post once a day or twice a day and, and, uh, and I'm on social media, but. I get in, schedule, get out, you know, and then I complete my work for the day. And then, you know, at night, I might sit there in front of the TV and kind of randomly go through things and everything, but it's only after I finish those goals. Now, since since seeing your keynote, though, I've switched up quite a bit because I was one of those people that I did have five things to do every single day. And I, and I sat there and thought about it, and I said, you know, you nailed it. I, I am not getting them done. You know, my, my to-do list would all, all, always you know go, okay, well, let me put those three things on tomorrow because I only finished two today. And so since seeing your keynote, I've stripped it down and said, what am I gonna get done in the morning? What am I gonna get done in the afternoon? And, and, uh, it's, it's just, again, skyrocketed my productivity. So thank you.
0: No, thank you. And it's, uh, you, you nailed it on the head when you said making sure that you have certain times, habits, systems, uh, because the research will show that our willpower is similar to our smartphone that over throughout the day, that battery is going to go down and drain. So at the end of the day, our willpower is a lot less And so we need to really hyper-focus on the most important things in the morning before the chaos hits of the day. Um, And a lot of times we know those most important things only take 30 minutes, but we can't let those slip day after day after day. And so it's really about getting those habits and systems into place in order for us to succeed. Um, And it's something that your audience may know. It's just like that we know that in order to get in shape, that we need to, eat less and exercise more so it's not a knowledge issue it's just the willpower is overrated so you need to have those habits and systems in place Um, and one indexer that we saw as well in terms of top performers is some of their habits and systems like you mentioned it can be as simple as the breakfast that they eat in the morning is the same every day So for me, I happen to eat Monday through Friday the same breakfast, and again, that was kind of a byproduct of mistake as well. I used to kind of scramble up egg whites, but one day I let them cook too long and they burnt a little bit, not burned bad, but they're actually solid form. And then I realized, oh wait, this created a frittata, which is actually faster to cook, easier to clean, tastes the same, if not better. And so from that moment forward, literally it's just a habit, get up, the pans are in the same place, You cook the breakfast, and so that does a couple things. It saves you time. It saves your brain energy because your brain gets ego depletion throughout the day. So you don't want to waste your brain power on minor decisions. And so for you, it might be your gourmet eater, so maybe that's not it. Maybe it's like you're Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs and you wear the same shirt every day in terms of just you don't want to use your brain to make that decision. Um, And so that does a couple things. The breakfast for me is good because – It's easy. It's fast. It's healthy. And then so during the holiday season, like last night when I stuffed my pie hole with 100 chocolate-covered pretzels, at least I had that that morning routine that that got me something healthy in the morning. And the way that relates to business is that a lot of us make the mistake as companies, because I've been fortunate to work with some of the top companies in the world, just having access to kind of coach them, is a lot of times in those brainstorming meetings, the first thing is they ask is, what should we be doing? When really the great companies, the first thing they ask, what should we not be doing?
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I, I, is, so is it an unconscious thing that, you know, if we're making decision after decision after decision, we don't even realize that there's fatigue setting in?
0: Exactly. It's, it's something that I learned from the research is that it's just called ego depletion that each decision wears on us throughout the day. And so that our brain gets tired. So for example, for you, if you want to write that blog post, it's probably best to write it in the morning before you're tired, before your brain's tired from the decisions that are going to occur throughout the day. And so that's why when you're focused on your one thing, or like I mentioned in the keynotes, really, I write down two things in the morning with one being the prominent one, is that as much as you can, you want to try to nail those out as early as you can in the morning. One, because of ego depletion. Two, it's kind of, to use an analogy in Vegas, it's to playing with house money. Because once those two things are done, then you're going, okay, now anything else I do is kind of gravy for the day. I'm playing with house money that I can kind of do more tactical things. I can get in and answer those 50 emails. So that allows you to kind of be ahead of the game in that sense.
1: That feeling that someone gets of accomplishment is a self-motivator, right? That When you do get something done, now, you know, do you actually get more productive
0: after that just because you're motivated? That's a good question. I mean, qualitatively, just from what we've seen, yes, but scientifically, we haven't dug into that. It's a good question that we'll dig into further is once you complete the items that are the most important, does it give you that... I mean, serotonin, oxytocin that pushes you throughout the day. It'll be interesting. We'll have to dig into that. That's a great, fascinating question. I'm taking a note down to whether and can send it out to your audience if we find out that answer. But qualitatively speaking, we definitely feel it, whether it's a placebo effect or not. I know that doing this, I feel it. Because to be honest, not every day do I get the one thing or the two things done. It's a learned process. Um, and so as I said, like my team and people that know me, when I say here's the two things I need to do, they'll take me 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden the chaos of the day hits and I didn't get either of them done. The two most important things would take 30 minutes. And so even though I've been practicing this for quite some time, I'm definitely far from perfect at it. But the closer I get to getting very good at this, um, it's just accelerating what we do. And, it, and like you mentioned, is that definitely I feel it personally on those days that I knocked those things out of the park early on. It's just like, wow, this is a great day. Now everything else is just gravy.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, I almost think that there's a, a much larger story there. And I, and I've actually been thinking about, you know, writing something along those lines that I, I have friends of mine that are, you know, in kind of, uh, they, they're in jobs that they hate, but they're, you know, they're secure, they get paid well, everything else, but they're miserable, right? They just can't wait to look forward to the two weeks a year that they go on vacation. And, and we often talk about productivity and when they talk about their day, it's, you know, they have days of endless meetings and bureaucracy and everything else. And and I often wonder, you know, even with social media, there's a lot of miserable people online, right? You know, a lot of people venting, you know, just how terrible the world is <laughs> and everything. And I often wonder what, whether there's any correlation between actually getting things done you know, and people's happiness. And I always feel like personally, when I get a job done, I love to work. I, I mean, I literally love to work. Now, there's other risks associated with that, like my health, you know, and I'm not disciplined on that side. But I do almost feel like, you know, there, people live much happier lives when they're living lives of fulfillment and productivity there.
0: No, you're right. And the science does prove that out is that when you have your not yet list, then obviously you, that helps formulate your to-do list. When you are checking those boxes off, it does give you that hit of dopamine, which is fantastic. It gives you that energy and that power. But the the issue with dopamine, you got to be careful. And Simon Sinek always loves to go into this as well, is that it can be highly, highly addictive. Um, so it's the same thing that relates to gambling and alcoholism. And so That's why email could be dangerous, and you mentioned it earlier, that's why you want to kind of block out time for email, because it does make you feel good to get from 100 email down to zero. And so you got to be careful, use the dopamine to its powerful effect to focus on the two most important things that you're doing that day, or if it's only the one big thing that you're doing, then that does give you that. That science does show out there that if you check the box on those. So I guess relating back to your question earlier, there is science whether it's tacitly related or not that indicates that yeah by at least checking that box it does give you that that dopamine hit um and then you raised another point that i think is interesting in terms of scheduling so we just did a piece with the obamas and they raised something that i thought was fascinating it's not anything new again it's just a reminder to a lot of us out there especially when we're doing our new year's resolutions is that you've got to take control of your schedule otherwise people will take control of it for you and this is especially true for people in organizations yeah
1: yeah yeah absolutely you know one of the things that i've done over time too is is literally just you know put time on my calendar where i am open for meetings and then and then leave the rest for me like almost every morning you cannot schedule a meeting with me in the morning because that's when i'm getting the work done
0: no that's smart i mean that's you're talking time blocking time protecting and so that's taking command of our schedules. And so it's important for us to block off certain aspects of our time, especially in the morning, for us to get stuff done. And something we've learned actually at Equal Man Studios, that's the animation company that I own, is that we actually work only in person Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 10 to four for a couple of reasons. It's been a learned process. We don't want people in traffic. Yep. Secondarily is we want you to spend that first hour and last hour of the day producing that output, focusing on the two most important things, or could be just the one big thing. And so that's some of the stuff that we've employed that seems to work. And we're constantly a lab. So as we learn stuff, we'll let you know, not everything works. It's about failing fast, failing forward, failing better. Uh, But it's about digging in. Another thing from productivity that we've discovered that should be good for your listeners is there's a 20-20-20 rule So that it's not about sitting down, hunkered down, and jamming away constantly for three hours. You actually need those breaks. It'll make you more productive. So every 20 minutes, you should take at least a one-minute break. And you should stand up because motion creates emotion, which creates energy. And it's called the 20-20-20 rule because every 20 minutes, you should stop. Stand up for at least a minute. Look out in the distance at least 20 feet at a fixed object for 20 seconds. And that'll help save what's called eye strain. It'll help save your eyes over time, the history of your life. But for that particular day, your eyes get strained by looking at our devices so it makes you tired. So it's important to reduce that eye strain as much as possible. So every 20 minutes, stop what you're doing, stand up, look out at a fixed object, usually it's a sign or a tree, for at least 20 seconds. Um, and so that's the 20-20-20 rule. For some of you, you might work best in 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Figure out what works best for you, but you need to kind of have those systematic breaks to actually make you more productive.
1: Wow, I don't know that I've ever had a po- half hour conversation with anybody that had so many tips <laughs> <laughs> on improving your productivity. This is absolutely fantastic. One of the things that I really respect about you is you're constantly helping people too. Is that a is that a growing passion for you?
0: It's definitely growing and I would say it hasn't always been necessarily at the core. And then, so it's been great, this journey that I've been on in in my life to realize that, you know, that living's giving. And so by doing that, in order to get, you got to give. And then it's what makes you feel good. And as we've been fortunate to interview so many people, another commonality is that you see that it's all about gratitude. And so a lot of the people that we've been fortunate to meet and interview or share the stage with is that they write down two or three things they're grateful for in the morning or at night. Everyone differs, but it's really about that attitude of gratitude. And you'll notice throughout the day, the things that make you happy aren't materialistic. And so that's been a learned process for me because I was hardwired in athletics and also just growing up and then in the business world. Okay, let's go to the top, reach the top, strive, strive. That's a good thing to do to strive for, but to understand that wait. And as Tony Robbins talks about the worst thing he's seen is someone that's at the top of their game and they aren't fulfilled and so most of the time that relates to gratitude and not giving that you fulfillment comes from giving and so um, it's been wonderful I, I always wake up knowing I need to give more 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 and so I hope I'm getting better at it each day but the thought is the more I can give the more you can live and that's why our whole mission at Equal Man and it's a mission is to entertain, educate, and empower people to their best lives, to find your superpower and unlock it. And so that's why we're trying to get out there. And thank you for allowing us to have this platform with so many listeners that you have. And it's been an honor to be with you, just all the success you've had and just on a personal level that that you give and you're a giver and your positive impact on the world. So um, that's what we're trying to do. And hopefully, it, hopefully it helps at least one person, but our goal is crazy enough to try to help seven billion people by the time we're done here. So we're just we're just trying to do it every day, one day at a time.
1: Well, you've you've touched an incredible amount of people, and uh, I think it's funny that your site says that you're the second most likable author behind uh, J.K. Rowling. I I'm gonna go ahead and put you in first place on that, you know, personally. So
0: oh, that's very kind. Of, it's a very distant, distant second. I think my mom even voted for. She's a huge Harry Potter fan. So I think my mom even (laughs) voted for her. So I love Harry Potter. I'd vote for her as well. So.
1: (laughs) Well, Eric, uh, you you deal with large companies uh, and do consulting through um, eQualman.com. How do people get a hold of you? What kind of services uh, do you offer them? and uh and and then where should people follow you online
0: yeah no if they can they can i'm equal man across the board right now we're doing a lot of tips and tricks on our youtube channel which is youtube.com forward slash equal man so we love any feedback as we test different stuff out there and so yeah our whole thing is we're basically an education company with entertainment dna so we're trying to give entertaining pieces that help educate people to empower them to their best life and so if you can find us out there let us know we're doing well, what we're not doing well, and we'll try to produce something that, that helps you on an individual basis.
1: And, and uh, for any businesses, conferences, I would highly recommend hiring Eric for your keynotes. Uh, I th- the, the effort put into your PowerPoint slides, your timing, your humor was obvious. It was just a, a, an incredible keynote that you provided. So um, kudos on that. I'm, I, I strive to get to where you are.
0: Thank you. No, it's very kind of you. It's a, a labor of love. Having the studio helps a lot for when we're performing on stage. So thank you so much.
1: Fantastic. Thank you,
0: Eric. Thank you. The MarTech Interviews podcast is recorded at DK New Media's state-of-the-art podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.